Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. We just couldn't stay away. The tournament always provides so much excitement and so many talking points that Gus and I felt we had to come back and give you one podcast. We could not wait until Sunday. Welcome back, folks, to Screen the Screener Podcast, where we talk all things NCAA basketball with you. I am Mike Randall, here with my Vegas Sharp partner, Gus Kearns. Gus, everybody, good job yesterday. Uh, thanks. It was fun picking the games. It's always fun when you win. It's always fun when you get them right. But it's fun even if you're just taking everything in and you just have basketball in the brain on four different TVs. And every time you hit the last button on your remote, it just goes back to another game. It's not the best. Like, it just goes to another game. It's beautiful. Uh, good morning. Good evening. Good afternoon. Hello. Ahoy. Everyone out there. Thank you for your personal choice of consumption of the Screen the Screener podcast. We are putting together this college basketball listening experience on St. Patrick's Day. Happy St. Patrick's Day to everybody out there. Salasha. Uh, we want to, we, we hope that everybody enjoyed their playing games. We hope everybody enjoyed the Thursday games. We aim to improve your commute to and fro. Maybe you're plugging us in as you're putting up some green decorations. Thanks for putting us in your earbuds or your headphones. Ahoy out there at high, low, underscore, C, E, a G Z Buffalo Yo and Ahoy out there at Rush the Court. Good luck with your picks out there, guys. Thanks for tuning us back in, listeners. Mike, ready to give the guys a little breakdown here? Yeah, I gotta throw kudos and throw the bouquets away, my friend. Gus went twelve and three against the spread and thirteen and two overall in his picks. Myself, going back to our earlier podcast a few months ago, more of an even Steven Gus situation. Seven, <laughs> nice reference. Seven and eight against the spread and nine and six overall without the points. Gus, only ones you missed on, Notre Dame, Vandy, and Nevada, but you have a blitzkrieg of ones that you got right into, including some very, very close head-to-head ones. You got me on the St. Mary's one. We can talk more about that later. You got me on the Florida State one, which was very good. Uh, we both nailed Middle Tennessee, Middle Tennessee State. Just a great job overall. Again, it was fun trying to crunch the numbers on some of these. Uh, the one that I'm uh, for longing and, 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 and upset and, and just overall sad about, I'm sorry, Wolfpack fans. I was We were rooting very hard for Nevada to go ahead and pull off the upset, but Monte Morris is too good. Burton was amazing. And guess who showed up big time? Remember that guy we talked about on the podcast on our Iowa State rundown, Solomon Young? He came up with a couple of big blocks and played big down low for them. He could be a difference maker moving forward, especially against a very big Purdue team. Yeah, great, great call. And what we want to do, folks, today, we'll just give you a couple quick reactions. This is not going to be a game-by-game breakdown. We'll save that for the next one. We'll give you a game-by-game breakdown, deep dive, all the weekend games. Today, we'll just do a couple quick takeaways, and then we'll do picks for for the games on Saturday, which I think is something that people want and are looking forward to. So short pod today, but a lot of information. Gus, when we talk about the opening round of the 2017 NCAA tournament on Thursday, what were some things that you took away from that? Here are some things that I saw, observed, and then try to take note of to go ahead and share out to the listeners. Number one, the good teams were good. Everybody was trying to find that upset that was going to happen, and it didn't because the good teams are good. Florida's good. UVA's good. Wisconsin's good. Notre Dame's good. Florida State's good. So I think you're trying to like, you know, you're trying to scrape through or filter through like all of these teams and all these brackets and you're trying to find, uh, you know, an upset where a good team is going to lose. And the teams that played on Thursday are just good. 
So I don't think that there was much to take away from except those teams are rated exactly where they should be. And it was really tough finding an upset or two in this particular pod, uh, in this particular bracket on this particular day. Uh, If I was going to isolate one thing, I think that Wisconsin-Villanova game is going to be a little frisky. Because of the way Nova played the first half against Mount St. Mary's, kudos to Mount St. Mary's for going out and balling out that first half. Definitely. Yep. Uh, But I think Bronson Koenig absolutely looked healthy. That foot did not look like he was bothering him at all, bombing all those threes. And they looked a little bit more connected and a little bit more committed, and it looked like their roles were definitely in line. So you had Hayes go for a double-double. You had Hap go for double figures. You had some roll guys off the bench, make some key baskets. I think if those three guys are going to play at that level, I think that Villanova game is going to be live. So that's one observation I took. And the other observation I took is we kind of mentioned on it before. Monte Morris is just unbelievably good. Nevada is a super talented team, and he was the best player on the floor and was really a difference maker in that particular game. It was really hard to pick against them. And again, like I just said, the good teams are good. Iowa State's good. Monte Morris is good. Uh, Mike, what's a couple things that you took away? Yeah, well said. All your points, I totally agree with that. Mount St. Mary's team was very live, and they matched up well with Villanova. That stayed a little closer than I think was comfortable for me until the second half, but they did pull away. Wisconsin was great. My issue moving forward is I agree with you. I I think that's a very close game tomorrow. I think it's one that people are going to want to watch. I think there's going to be a timeout Villanova in the second half, and Wisconsin's going to be leading. Totally agree with all that. My issue is Bronson Kading was 8 of 17 from three-point range for 28 points. He ain't making eight threes against Villanova. Those guards are going to clamp down on him, and he sure as heck hasn't taken 17. So he looked great, had the best game of the season. I just don't think he can repeat that performance. So Mm. the question is, can a guy like Ethan Happ, who only had 10, he had 10 and 8, solid game, or Nigel Hayes again, who is just incredibly frustrating to me. I mean, he had 16 points and 10 rebounds. My point is, in this game where Villanova has guards, you can't expect Koenig to go for six to eight threes again. I, I just think that's going to be Jay Wright's focus. But listen, if Vito Brown can give him 10, you know, something like that, yeah. uh, Trice can hit a couple more threes off the bench, it is very, very live. It is a close game. We'll get into the spreads in a minute. The spread is, is frisky in that sort of gray area. Agree with that. But my big takeaway was, I did some research last night when we got home. Of course, Gus, myself, Dr. Tony, we're all hanging out, enjoyed the games. There were only two lower-seeded teams that upset higher-seeded teams. Middle Tennessee State as the 12 over 5 Minnesota, and number mm-hmm. 11 Xavier, correctly called by Gus, over number 6 Maryland. I went back and did some research, Gus. The last time that that happened was 2012. 2016 last year, there were seven upsets in the first day. Butler over Texas Tech was a 9-8. UConn over Colorado was a 9-8. Yale beat Baylor 12-5. Arkansas yep. Little Rock over Purdue 12-5. Wichita State was an 11. They blitzed Arizona, who was a 6. Providence over UCLA 9-8. And Gonzaga 11 blitzed Seton Hall as well. You go back to 2015, there were four first-round upsets on that day. First-day upsets, rather. 2014, there were four. 2013, there were four. 2012 was the only other time that there were two. And what happened in day two? was eight massive upsets that occurred in terms of lower-seeded teams defeating higher-seeded teams. Really quick rundown for you, Gus. Number 15, Norfolk State beat Missouri. Number 15, Lehigh beat Duke that year. Number 13, Ohio beat number four, Michigan. 
NC State is an 11, beats San Diego State as a 6. Purdue in a 10-7 game beats St. Mary's. St. Louis as a 9, beat Memphis as an 8. South Florida as a 12, beat Temple, who is a 5. And Xavier won a 10-7 matchup over Notre Dame. So I do think that history says it was a very chalky day, which is rare. And I kind of think that today we'll see some bigger upsets. I would be shocked if we didn't. What else do you want to hear from Mike Randall besides, hey, guys, pay attention to today. It's going to be awesome. There's going to be a lot of upsets. Uh, I love that forecast. Yeah, it should be. And it should be really – and I'm dying because you know what, Gus? When's the last time – man, we've been doing this for God knows how long. When's the last time we didn't see a juicy upset, a 3 14? Like we haven't seen it. Like I I would be flabbergasted if it didn't come, although I can't tell you what game today it's going to be. I just see it coming. And listen, I know 9-8 games are not huge upsets. I I understand that. But it was unique. And and the other takeaway was – didn't have, Gus, maybe the drama that we're used to having. I think the closest game in terms of last-second drama was probably what? Notre Dame-Princeton at the beginning of the day with a last-second shot to win it. Um, v- Vandy at Northwestern had some drama, too, to be fair. And, Definitely. And, and uh, you know, Fisher Davis, of course, making the foul when he thought that Bryce Drew told him to foul instead of just pick up his man. But those games that we watched were very live. Cam Oliver was dunking for Nevada. They had the juice going. Virginia Tech did a great job against Wisconsin, but just didn't have that last second sort of, you know, Florida Gulf Coast fought their tail off. But at what I didn't really buy, like when they were down six with two minutes left, you know, Florida yeah. State at the foul line. I just wasn't like, wow, they're in trouble. I'm kind of looking for that, wow, they're in trouble game today. I think we'll find it somewhere. Uh, if we're going to give you a roadmap of where to locate that, oh boy, they're in trouble game. How about we put our eyes on, uh, I hate to bring this up again, Mike Randall. Keep a close eye on the New Mexico State-Baylor game. possible. I bet that game is uh, frisky at the half. And you're looking at that game thinking like, wait, wasn't Baylor ranked number one in the country at one point? How are they in a dogfight with New Mexico State? I think that might be a good place to look. Uh, I think you have to look at the SMU-USC game. Uh, As much as I love SMU, uh, you know, the the talent that USC brings to the table is definitely uh, worth taking a look at there. And... I think another place to take a peek at might be, and I hate saying this because I picked them to the Final Four as well, is that Louisville-Jackson State game. Uh, You just never know which Louisville team you're going to get. So that might be another place to find uh, the upset that you're looking for this particular Friday, St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, perfectly summed up, my friend. I I don't want to see SMU go out. I like them as well. Uh, Me neither. USC is a playing team that gets hot. And then I don't want to see Cincy go out because I love Mick Cronin. But but Kansas State is hot, so yeah, interesting game should be a good Friday evening. What do you think? Not bad, right? Oh, I'm I'm totally looking forward to it. And I mean, in the highlight we haven't even mentioned. I mean, how how excited are you to watch that date in Wichita State game? Yeah, that's the game. Of, that's the game of the first round. Can't wait. Gonna have a, a beverage in my hand. Be watching it later tonight. Cannot wait. A- that absolutely, I, I will be following that exact prescription, taking in that game. And guess what? I bet my daughter is gonna say, "Daddy, Daddy, where's Scoochie? Does he have the ball? Where is he?" They're going to be a great one. Don't undersell those Dayton seniors short. Trust me. Uh, all right, Gus. Well, you're on fire. That You're doing what Gus doing Gus-like things. Okay. So let's go game by game. I'll read them off again for a Saturday, and you can. we'll do our picks here. So I'll read okay. them off against the spread. I will go in order that they're going to be played. Remember, we have eight games now because there will be 32 teams left. So there will be eight games on Saturday, eight games on Sunday. We don't have the Sunday spread, so we'll just take you through Saturday. And then uh, let us know how we do. People certainly aren't shy about letting us know whether we're correct or not correct. Uh, right. Let us know. But we will go with our heart, and we will not back down. That's what we do here on Screen the Screener. Gus, are you ready? I'm ready. And yeah, let us know if we're absolutely awful or terrible. It's okay. We'll take it. Uh, it, it it's just fun to do it. Uh, so if we are terrible, we apologize. 
But thank you for tuning in, even if we're fantastic on one day and then totally off the next. That's exactly right. So let's see. We'll set this up here. Pull the games up right now. There they are. And we will start with the first game on Saturday, which will be the first game on Saturday, right at noon. Gus, we have West Virginia. Looked pretty good. Was challenged a little bit in their first round, but pulled away comfortably. Notre Dame survived by the hair on their leprechaun chinny-chin-chin. Happy St. Patrick's Day. West Virginia, Gus, favored by three points over Notre Dame. Sounds about right. Uh, I'm gonna. The numbers say let's go with West Virginia here, but I think screen the screener, and I'm just gonna say I don't know. Ah, this is such a this is a really tough game. I mean, I think we both had this in our bracket when we were breaking things down. We we kind of fussed and hemmed and hawed over it a whole bunch. You know, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say give me Notre Dame. Uh, to advance, and what'd you say, three points? It's three, yes. You're getting three. Oh, yeah, I, I, I kind of like that. I like getting the three. So I'm going to say give me uh, give me the Irish, and uh, yeah, the three points sound great. You know, it's so funny, Gus. I, I just want to go quick back to fantasy football. You know, there's players when you draft that you like and you don't like. There's really no one that you don't like. It depends on like what round you get them in. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. I, I have not liked West Virginia all year, but I am going to take them and give the three points. I... I I just think this is a good matchup for him. I think Adrian could do some stuff inside. I think they're going to play tough defense. Phillip had a nice game. I, I don't know. I, I can't believe I'm doing this if you went back a month, but I am going to take West Virginia minus three. I don't know. That's just what my gut is telling me. Again, it's totally matchup dependent. And you might be so down on a team, like you said, a month ago, and then you look at the matchup and it speaks yeah. to you in a different way. Yeah. So th- that's what this matchup is doing to you, just speaking to you in a different way. So true, man. Second game up right after that, 1240, big one for both of us. Villanova favored by five and a half over Wisconsin. Wisconsin, big game for Koenig. Villanova, sluggish start, hard had two fouls. Turned it around, though, blew him out in the second half. Short rest for both teams here. Who do you give the advantage to? Well, I bet the line started out a little bit higher, and then after both teams' performances, I bet it shrunk down a little bit. Uh, so I bet it was at six or six and a half or seven, and it's come down. You said five and a half? It's five and a half right now, yeah, using VegasInsider.com. Yeah. Yep. Okay. That sounds that sounds about right. I mean, I think I, – you know what? I just – I like Villanova as a team. I think they're, you know, the defending champions – but I just think that they're going to be limited without their big man inside and without their floor general. Brunson is fantastic, but he's not Arch, you know, the coach on the floor. Uh, you know, Reynolds is, and Booth are going to do their thing down low, but neither one of them is FJFU from last year. I, I just think that Matt, there's a couple of matchups here that favor Wisconsin. So I'm going to say give me Wisconsin and the points. It's right at the limit, Gus, of what I want to give. Yeah, it really is. It's it's right there at the very end. I am going to take Villanova, and I will give the five. I, it's right at that edge. It's a lot of points. I think it's a close game. I just think if Bronson Koenig isn't going to have six or eight three pointers, I just think Villanova will find a way to pull ahead at the under four timeout. But I will tell you, I would not wager money on this. This is a pick for the for the podcast and nothing more. So I, we'll go head to head there. But it's a very reluctant head-to-head. Minus five and a half, I'll, I'll take Villanova. You know, it's a it, good point. It's going to be hard for him to replicate that performance back-to-back uh, tournament games. So as well as he played, yeah, I think it's unreal and unfair to uh, expect Canning to go ahead and put out another, you know, awesome performance with eight, eight made threes. 
Uh, maybe they change the game plan. Maybe he doesn't put up uh, you know a whole bunch of double digit three attempts. Maybe he takes it inside. I, I'm not sure. But we'll find out. We'll, we'll, we'll watch and find out, just like everybody else. Yeah, that's a, that's a very proceed with caution one. Next one, real interesting. Curious your take on this one. Florida favored by two over Virginia. Florida really did a nice job with East Tennessee State. Pulled away, had a lot of you know, made a lot of turnovers, some dunks, played well. Didn't get a big game from Kevon Allen either, but still won comfortably. And Virginia was down, I believe, twenty six to eleven to UNC Wilmington. And then, of course, maybe I undersold this. Tony Bennett's coaching ability switches to a five guard lineup, takes Salt out, Shayok yep. in, Parentis. He does shoot it, and when he does, they win. Twenty four points for him, two of four from three point range. Shayok twenty three points, folks. That's forty seven of their seventy six points from those two guys. Who do you like in this game? Florida is favored by two. Interesting. I think that this is a pick'em game. I don't think I don't think there should be any spread on this game. I think these teams are actually really evenly matched according to the metrics and and according to their rosters as well. Uh, I think the coaching matchup is one of the best coaching matchups that we're going to find in the tournament all entire, you know, any round. If you want to go to the championship game and compare the two coaches, I don't know if the combined uh, knowledge and accomplishment and just overall coaching talent is going to sur- uh, surpass you know, Bennett plus coach white. I, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, that said, I like UVA here. I can't believe that they're getting a couple points. So I'm going to say, give me the Cavaliers a little bit under the radar and let's have them move forward into the sweet 16. This game is going to be close. There is no doubt. Both teams are going to compete really well. And I bet we're going to see multiple coaching moves, just like you mentioned, uh, Coach Bennett changing his lineup. I bet there's a couple of coaching moves along the way in this game to go ahead and react to the uh, the game action and to change results. Uh, another tough one for me. Again, I'm going to go against you. I, I'm going to take Florida. I don't think Kevon Allen is going to be one of 11 from the field like he was again. No. I, I, I Listen, he's amazing. I, I, you know, Parentis is going to have to have 20 again. He's he going to have to have a big yeah. game, and, and yeah. listen, I haven't seen that all year. I, you know, it's a short, it's a short window, so Virginia's not going to have a long time to prepare for them. You know, flip side is Florida doesn't have a long time to prepare for Virginia. Right. I'm going to give the two again. This is boy, they've made some really classic second round matchups here, but I think that Mike White impressed me. He did. He was ready for the moment, no problem. I just think Virginia's offensive struggles will keep them out of the Sweet 16, so I will take Florida and give and give the two points. But another one we're head-to-head on, just not feeling super confident about it, but I am going to go with Florida. Okay, just, just to add to your uncomfortableness of this particular game and this matchup and your selection, I think what we've, we've you know talked about on the pod in the past where one of the things to pay attention to is the, the not necessarily contrast in styles, but the short prep time for a really unique system and Bennett's pack line defense is a really unique system and the way that his team runs it. I don't know if they can replicate that in a day uh, in a Gators practice or walkthrough. Um, and I don't think they've seen anything like that in the SEC. So I think that might be a factor to pay attention to in this game as well. They do. I, I was a little concerned that Virginia had a long time to prepare for uh, for um, for UNC Wilmington. And then they were getting blitzed right out the door. Yeah. I, that, that worried me a little. So yeah. I, I listen, Kevon Allen has another bad game they're going to lose, but I'm going to go with the fact that I think Allen comes back, bounces back in a big way, and Florida does beat Virginia. But again, I rec- everything you're saying is super valid, no doubt. Uh, next one. So then we go to the 6-10 game. 
We have Florida State minus six over Xavier, your Xavier Musketeers. Both of you had correct. What do you like here? This is a tricky game. I think now Coach Mack and Xavier are kind of playing with house money now that they've actually made the tournament, one. They've won a game, two. And they're a huge underdog, three. Like It's a no-lose situation for Xavier. They've rallied after the, the injury to Sumner, which totally decimated their lineup. Again, he, he's unbelievably talented. I hope he comes back next year. I hope we get to watch him next year. I hope he heals up and is healthy. Like We always hold hope very dearly on screen the screener. So let's hope Sumner finds health and gets back to school and decides to help Xavier be great again next year. Uh, with that said, I just think that Florida State's too long. They have athletes to match Xavier's athletes. They're just a little bit bigger, a little bit longer. And I can't wait. I was uh, we talked about this on our bra- our bracket breakdown. I can't wait to watch Blewett and Baking go head to head. I think that's going to be a sick matchup of wing players, shooting guards, both possibly future NBA players. I'm going to say I think I think Florida State pulls away comfortably in the second half and covers. However, if you're going to do one of your first half specials here, I think. Xavier will be game. I think they will be coached up. I think they will go into the game feeling like they're playing with house money and they have nothing to lose. And not that they're going to be reckless, but I think they're going to be a little carefree and be playing with some joy and not playing with like this enormous weight on their shoulders. So I think that's going to keep it close in the first half. But give me Florida State's length, athletic ability, and defensive prowess on the inside, pulling away late against Xavier. You know, it's funny. We may go head-to-head in every pick this this, this bracket here going on, on Saturday. I'm a, con- a convert. I'm going to use what you said about Xavier over Maryland, and I'm going to jump on board. I think uh, Trayvon Blewett is having a special sort of run here. I yeah. liked how they fed him the ball. There's no ego there. You and I were talking privately about Makura. Maybe take it a little too much. <laughs> but, but Blewett's being fed the ball. I still think Florida State's sloppy. I, I can't see a team that struggled on the road winning back-to-back is what this would basically be. Mm-hmm. They missed a ton of free throws. They should have blown Florida Gulf Coast out. They missed a ton of free throws with some sloppy turnovers, and I don't like how they take really ill-advised shots at times. Six is a lot for me. I'll take Xavier and the six, basically jumping on board with your comments about how you liked them over Maryland. I think they keep it going, and I don't think anybody's stopping Trayvon Blue right now. 21 yesterday, I think, but he looked great. He looked great in the second half because he did not play. I mean, not that he didn't play well, but they definitely had the defensive clamps and defensive defensive attention on him in the first half. But that second half for him, man, he he played out of his mind. Next one, Gus, is personal for me. Butler minus four over Middle Tennessee State. <laughs> oh, man. What a matchup. Two teams that play the right way. Two teams that play their own system. <sighs> what? Give me the line on this again, please. It is two. It's, yep, it's a four, rather. Sorry, it's four. Butler minus four over Middle Tennessee State. Interesting. You know what? I love both of these teams. Butler has a penchant for playing close games. Give me a very close game. Give me Middle Tennessee's covering, but Butler winning in that, like, really tight window right there. Uh, That's where I'm going to go with this game. I love Ja'Cory Williams. I love Upshaw. You know, our our friend Matty out in uh, Wisconsin got his eyes on them live yeah, in the yeah. first round. Yep, Milwaukee. And, yeah, and gave us a good scouting report. And he said he was just a huge DeCorey Williams fan after seeing him in person. I think Giddy Potts makes a couple shots here, of course. But I think Butler is going to keep the game in hand 
But Middle Tennessee is going to be live the whole way through. I, I can totally see them winning this game. There, there's no doubt in my mind after watching them and watching that entire game that they're talented. They're really well coached. Coach Davis does an amazing job with that squad. They play that kooky defense that is hard to prep for. So even with all that said, give me Middle Tennessee, t- Tennessee to cover that four, but I'll take Butler moving on. I'm with you on this one. We're in lockstep. I'm taking Middle Tennessee State in the four. They have the inside-outside combination. They have Ja'Cory Williams inside. They have Upshaw, who does both. Giddy Potts mm-hmm. can, can really do well bringing the ball up and hitting threes. I don't think Butler has an answer there. We have Martin has to have a big game off the bench. They're fearless. They've now won two tournament games in a row. Kermit Davis is a very underrated coach. I think Middle Tennessee State in my bracket. I had him going to Sweet 16, and I agree. I think they're going there as well. Three games left. Let's take a look. This one could be the game of the day, Gus. At a 940, Purdue is favored by one over Iowa State. What a matchup, huh? Wow. So that's just a pick'em game. That's awesome. Um, two of the best players in the country going head-to-head with Monte Morris and, and Caleb Swanigan. Uh, great second fiddles on both teams with, with Burton and, and Haas and Edwards. Uh, wow. I think that Purdue's length and size have bigs will travel was one of been one of our mottos all season on the podcast. Even with Solomon Young stepping up and playing a bigger role and giving uh, taking on more responsibility in the post defensively and offensively on putbacks and whatnot. I, I just think the Purdue length is going to be a bit too much. Give me Biggie with another double double. Give me a couple of more made threes from Purdue than over Iowa State. You know, four or five point game. Give me Purdue moving on. I'm with you. We know this tournament is one with guards, right? We've talked about it all the time. But the reason that part of that, that rule holds is because no one has a big. Not only do they have a big, Gus, they have a big who never fouls, okay? It's, I know I talked your ear off about this yesterday. It's just amazing that he doesn't foul. When they yeah. needed a basket against Vermont, he went right to the block, he caught the ball, and if they did not double, he scored. That is what you know. Iowa State is going to have to deal with. And by the way, I think Iowa State is a little more prone to foul him than Vermont was. So that's going to open up some lanes. Monte Morris would have to have a big game. I love what Iowa State's doing. They played in the toughest conference this year, top to bottom. But I think Purdue has everything you need. And don't forget, they're fifth in the country in free throw in a three-point shooting percentage. I'm with you. I'll take Purdue. It's going to be a great one. But I, I just think Swanigan is that type of Danny Manning-esque guy this year. I do. How about this for a prediction on this game? No point spread, no anything. How about Monte Morris does his thing and just puts up a triple-double in the tournament in this game? Uh, I'll, I'll copy another one of yours, my friend. What do you have, four turnovers in the first half? How about Monte? Uh, yeah, yeah, he went – I couldn't believe they turned him over that much in the first half. That was crazy. Over under Mont- Monte Morris, one and a half turnovers. I'm definitely taking the under in this game. Oh. Back-to-back games like that. No way. Yep, he's going to take care of that ball like it's gold. There is no chance he's going to turn over. In fact, if it was a half, I'd probably take the under. <laughs> uh, two games left, both popular teams to pick to go to the Final Four. Your Gonzaga Zags, 11-point favorite over Northwestern. Interesting. Obviously, everybody's going to be on board the Northwestern bandwagon. We're going to see multiple shots of all ESPN personalities that have gone there. We're going to see multiple shots of Julie Louis-Dreyfus on the side. We're going to hear multiple Seinfeld references. It's awesome. What a great story. Coach Collins has been amazing. That team has been out of control. McIntosh is just the type of point guard you want to root for in the tournament. Just a you know possibly under-talented but gritty, tough guy. Makes all his free throws. 
the ride ends here. And the ride ends here in a big win for Gonzaga. I think they definitely cover the spread comfortably. I bet Northwestern plays live the first half, and then Gonzaga does the same thing they did in round one and just slowly pulls away and ends up being about a 20, 18, 19, 20-point win. You know, I I was on Gonzaga. I got it wrong covering in that game yesterday and winning big, and they struggled throughout the game for a long time. They did. With South Dakota State. To me, if you're going to beat South Dakota State by 20 and only be winning by four, I think Northwestern has a lot of mojo right now. Gonzaga will win this game. I have no doubt about it, but I am going to gladly take all the points. And I mm. think that Northwestern will be able. I mean, listen, if it's a 10 point win, I win. I mean, you know, so yeah. one, eight, you know, one versus eight, nine games, we talk about them all the time. They're frisky. I wonder if you took the points in those games every year, if you'd be up. I feel like you would be. It just seems like a high number to me. Listen, this could be a get right game for Gonzaga, but this is a team that really hasn't blown out out of conference competition and Northwestern's got a little special stuff going right now. I'll take the Zags, but I don't know. Maybe they win by eight or nine. I'll, yeah. you know, I'll take the 11. I, yeah, it, it sounds perfectly logical. I, I don't know why that would, you know, I don't know like what your argument against that would be. Is yeah. that, you know, maybe the Zags go off and they actually hit a bunch of threes instead of missing a bunch of threes. But still, um, I, I, I like we mentioned before on the bracket breakdown, they put, you know, Northwestern, Coach Collins, the program, the players that have, you know, invested so much energy and effort into this season to make this season like the season to remember for that program. And and quite honestly, like, it's the biggest story of the tournament. Like, it is awesome. They are amazing. It is cool that we are giving them this much pub and talking this much about them and they're getting this much TV time and airtime. But all that effort has to have a finish line. And at some point, the you know the bottom of the bucket is empty. I feel like they're really close to it right now. I don't know if they can keep this effort and this mojo going. Not saying that like they're going to run out of karma or anything. Yeah, sometimes you just run into a better team, and the better team beats you. And I think this is a perfect case. And we got one last one, my friend. And this is one Gus and I were arguing about yesterday. It was funny, Doctor Tony. I think loved the argument. He did. Yeah. So Arizona favored by four and a half over St. Mary's. So yeah. here's my thought. My thought is. I was on the St. Mary's bandwagon on the preseason predictions to go to the Final Four. I hung on that bandwagon like the Titanic as long as possible. I failed to see a performance in my eyes. They won at Dayton in noon in the middle of December, okay? But that was without two starters in that game. I did not see an opera, a game where I felt that they performed to the level of a Sweet 16 team. I, I haven't seen it. The Gonzaga games were non-competitive. You want to say if they, if they at least, you know, it was a loss at the last second or something, I could totally right. buy it. Then you know what's funny, Gus? It's really amazing. Had Gonzaga, had St. Mary's won just one of those games against Gonzaga, I probably would have had them to the Elite Eight. I mean, you know, it's just so funny how one game can change you. This one is frisky. I think this 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 game is, a, is lower than you may think it was going to be, four and a half. It's a 2-7 game. St. Mary's with a nice win over VCU. They controlled the pace throughout. Jaquan Lewis did his best to try to keep VCU in the game. He did. He, he did. played awesome. But VCU, you, you, you had that right. You said you you liked what you saw out of him, and he went bananas. And you know, currently right now, he's the he has the highest scoring total in the tournament. You know, it's funny. I saw the last minute of that game. Uh, Jaquan went to the line for two free throws to give him thirty two points. Gus, which of course Gus and I know why that was sort of relevant for me. But um, he was exhausted. He was literally, his shoulders yeah. were slumped. He was grabbing his shorts. He missed his final two free throws at like 10 seconds left. He just couldn't, he was, he was dead. But I want to get your thoughts on this game. Listen, the narrative is there to take St. Mary's. St. Mary's has five starters back. They all played very well. They had a nice win opening round. They play a slow game with Arizona. Uh, Arizona 
does not blow teams out. They didn't blow North Dakota out. North Dakota got it back to seven at one point with about 10 minutes left to go in the second half. So I think the narrative is there. I'm going to take Arizona and give the four and a half, but I'm dying to hear your prediction here. Absolutely taking St. Mary's in the points. You think St. Mary's will win outright? No. Okay, but you think it's going to be a nip and tuck game? I do. Okay. Would I be surprised if St. Mary's wins this game? No, I wouldn't be. Well. I I, I can see a scenario and I can see a script where they win this game. But give me the points. I love that they're getting a couple points. The metrics actually like them better than Arizona, which is a little crazy if you think about it with Arizona being the two seed and St. Mary's being a seven seed. Uh, So I'm leaning on those numbers a little bit. I love the five starters back. I love the discipline discipline with which they play. They are unbelievably underrated on the defensive end. I think Arizona's going to have to work really hard for each one of their made baskets. Uh, I think it might come down to made free throws at the end. Uh, they're going to take care of the ball. I don't think they're going to turn it over. And I I think the matchup with Landell and Markinen is going to be pretty cool. Uh, I think where they run into problems... Uh, and Arizona might actually pull away, is on the wing. I, I don't know if they necessarily have an athlete to cover Trier or Hawkins. Um, Hermanson will do his best, but I don't know if they're going to have somebody out there that can actually you know, match up uh, athletically, if that makes sense. And I also really like the pace of play here. I think the pace of play of both teams is going to, uh, is going to forecast into a lower scoring game and a tight scoring game. So I'll gladly take uh, the Gales and the points here. And Arizona in a tight game with a couple of made free throws late by Markinen and Allen. You know, it's interesting. So Landell really didn't have a whole lot of foul trouble. He actually played the entire game against VCU, which is shocking to me. I mean, you would, and you would think a matchup against Mo Ali yes. like he would just pick up two fouls as soon as he walked in the gym. I mean, guys, listen, Shemek is wonderful. We don't love, who loves Shemek more than we do? But the guy isn't exactly the most agile big man in the post. So what I'm saying is like, you would think that he would also have trouble against more athletic bigs. If he's getting in foul trouble stopping Shemek, then you would think he would get in foul trouble stopping a very athletic big front line. But he didn't. He played all 40 minutes. He had 18 points and 13 rebounds. That is the key. Hermanson woke up. He was 3 of 5 from 3-point range. Rayhan gave him 16 points. It's right there, man. I, I see it. I think it's a great game to end that Saturday. I'll take Arizona. I think Landell will finally get in foul trouble. They're going to put him on marketing. I don't know who they're going to put him on. Rolly Alkins? Maybe? I don't, who knows? But uh, that's it. But I'm, I'm curious. Boy, that would be... Wouldn't it be, Gus, poetic justice if St. Mary's plays Gonzaga for a fourth time to go to the Final Four in the West after I jumped off their bandwagon? I mean, and by the way, there's no chance they're beating Gonzaga. I say that right now. But I mean, that would just be poetic justice, wouldn't it? Mike, that would be awesome if that actually happened and they were on that particular stage to go to the Final Four everybody would tune into that game even the, that would get the casual basketball fan absolutely turned in that would get cousin larry who doesn't know anything about sports and is really into other things and has other hobbies he would tune into that game you'd get grandma tuning into that game because she loves the old polish guy everybody would tune out to that game it would be amazing i would love to see that matchup Let's just all cross our fingers, listeners. Everybody, just cross your fingers just for a second for me so that can happen again, okay? I'll make you a Okay, prom- good. Uncrossed. I'll make you a promise, my friend. If that happens, what I'll do is I'll do the opening, I'll cut and splice, and I'll have like my prediction about how much I like St. Mary's with a ding, and then all my negative comments throughout the year against St. Mary's as X's, <laughs> and we'll just start the podcast. It'll be hilarious. Uh, th- this is a good one, Gus. Really quick, got it in, got some summaries going. 
guys, we just wanted to come back to you. We love the tournament. We just wanted to talk about the games a little bit. We will come back to you probably Sunday night, Monday somewhere in there, and give you a full rundown of the games, and then we'll give you another podcast next week previewing, of course, the Sweet 16. Sound good, my friend? Uh, that sounds perfect. Listeners out there, thank you for finding time to tune us in while you're watching and taking care of all of your weekend duties. Thank you, thank you, thank you, listeners. We're, we're always humbled and honored. Thank you for giving us so much attention. Uh, good luck to all the people in the Screen the Screener Bracket Challenge. Uh, we're, Mike and I were unbelievably excited that there were that many people that wanted to participate. So good luck to everybody with your picks. Uh, I'm definitely going to you know, log in and check everybody's picks later on this weekend to see how we're doing, see how we stack up against the listeners. And uh, I'm rooting for a listener to win the thing. I want somebody to win. Let's go, people. I am too. And certainly, Gus, the only one who's holding this podcast up right now is you. After me going 9-6 and six in round one and you going 13-2 and two right now, you, you are carrying the flag for the podcast here. That's the only chance we got. Woo! All right, guys. Thanks so much. We appreciate it. Uh, thanks so much for listening. Screen the screener. Enjoy the games. Boy, Arizona State Mary's. Here we go, Gus. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Salasha, y'all. 